prayer. Weak and wounded, or we can certainly relate to those who've been bruised by the fall, those who are weak and unable on our own, but let yet you are the one who reaches from heaven above and and despite our weakness works in us to change us into something glorious to translate us from the power of darkness the kingdom of your dear son Lord we pray for that power to be manifest even this afternoon that your spirit we spoke of this morning could work freely in each one of our hearts that we would not resist his life-giving work Father, we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Jonah. It's a minor prophet found after a few books after Daniel. Um, while you're looking for it, it's after Joel and Amos. <clears throat> In Obadiah, this morning we heard about uh, revival, the theme of our coming camp, and um, our Tuesday lesson will be about Jonah, as Jonah illustrates the need for revival in two very different forms. Let's read it together. Uh, I'll just be skipping through rather than reading the entire book, but um, let's start with the very beginning in Jonah chapter 1. We found it. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, where he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I think uh, most of you are aware of what happened next. Uh, But we dare not get distracted from our great God by the great fish. Uh, God is actually mentioned quite a bit in this book, some 34 times, and uh, it is his character that's in focus here in contrast with his servant. So God has spoken to Jonah. He's given him a commission. The commission is go to the capital city of the mortal enemies of his people uh, not uh, just not that long um, long ago, Tiglath-Pileser, the uh, emperor of Assyria, had asserted power and had attacked uh, the northern kingdom with uh, great devastation. And so Jonah was not feeling very sympathetic to the bad guys. And so we see him thinking he can prevent God's grace by running the opposite direction. Tarshish being on the, near the rock of Gibraltar, the complete opposite directions, thousands of miles away. 
from Nineveh, which is in present-day Mosul. You may have heard of that when uh, ISIS was trying to take that over just a few years ago. A great Christian presence there being persecuted under that tide. Let's, uh, chapter 1 continues with the great storm, the great fish, and uh, Jonah being thrown overseas to appease his own sin. And then chapter 2, Brother Doug has ably um, meditated on about Jonah's repentance, his turning, as we heard about this morning, um, as he was sinking, he cried out to the Lord in prayer in the fish's belly. Let's uh, pick up the story in chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. In other words, it took three days' walking to get through the city. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell? If God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not. And God saw their work, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, <coughs> and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. <coughs> so, revival. Who needed revival in this story? There was a very wicked city. We read the end of chapter, at least 120,000 population, or was that only the innocent children? And they had, were 
in their own words, very wicked. They had used terrorism effectively to their benefit when they would go up against a city, very organized, um, and uh, they would lay siege and basically, uh, I don't know how much gory detail you want, but they, they did such horrible things to the people they vanquished, stacking skulls by the by the gate and doing horrible things so that anyone else who had thought of rebelling would be highly discouraged. So when he talks about the violence that is in their hands, that's not just metaphorical. Although it's interesting that the violence is in their hands even within their own city. So their wickedness is not theoretical. They needed revival. And our God saw even these blood-stained hands and wicked hearts and extended grace to them. They needed revival. But what about Jonah? Did he need revival? We see his attitude after him ironically being given a second chance, being rescued from the very belly of the fish from his disobedience, yet still resenting and being angry with God that these unworthy, evil enemies of his people Could, he, he was just so hoping that they would get what they deserved when he didn't realize what he deserved. I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from this passage about a need to revive our hearts that our hearts could be motivated and, and, and we can see God being very patient with Jonah, taking extraordinary means to try to get Jonah to realize the Father's heart. You know, we continue in chapter 4 with the gird, that, uh, the plant that grows up overnight and, and gives him shade from the blistering heat and yet when it dies, Jonah is so upset, and God says, look, you, you care about this plant. You're angry about this plant. What about these 120,000 innocent souls, right? And, and, and from the great fish to the great gourd, God is trying to say, do you not get grace? Because Jonah felt entitled. He felt he was God's people. He felt that his nation, his 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 ethnicity, his entitlement as this child of Abraham, as we heard just last week from Brother Mark Delich, you know, entitled him. And there was this whole us-them mentality, and, and we see a lot of that in the culture today, where we, we make a lot of these us-them distinctions. Here was based on nationality. When I was in my own country, the enemies of my country, um, 
It's interesting. I'm just reading now uh, a book about um, called Traced, where a researcher is kind of looking at genetics to that is confirming the truth of the Bible, um, and even the the people in Europe, um, in in Italy, you know, are not you know the original Italians. We see all these nations that have been fighting for hundreds of years over their borders were actually the same strain of people who had migrated from from Asia and so that there's no this whole thing about nationality is a often a a, a, a recent construct and a story you know of recent history and not rooted in uh, ultimate reality but we we divide over so many things. We divide over over our appearance. We divide over our gender. We divide over our political views. Over which social media feed is 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 brainwashing us. We divide over our you know you know what what sin pe different people are being trapped by, and uh, we we let so many things bring us into us the good guys versus them the bad guys. <clears throat> and Jonah was deep, deep into this mentality of us versus them. So much so that he, he couldn't understand God's grace when he himself was begging for it in the belly of the fish, but couldn't extend it to these wicked Ninevites when they repented with fast cloth, sackcloth and ashes. So how does this relate to us? The challenge that I feel is, do, do I <clears throat> feel this, this moral superiority or, or um, stagnation that, you know, we're, we're here, we're, we're among our people, uh, we're safe here, and... Um, you know, out there is this big, scary, um, politically correct, powerful majority, and, and we need to hunker down within these walls. I mean, if you think about it, Jonah was walking into the military base of his mortal enemies. I mean, that's where the garrisons were with all the chariots and armaments and Soldiers, he was walking into the enemy's camp, no, their capital city. That was a very precarious thing to do. And then he was proclaiming God's judgment against them. It could have easily ended a very different way, given the bloodthirsty nature of the Assyrians. But yet his lone voice proclaiming truth was able to get past the pride and able to reach the heart even of the king and get this huge city to, to um, repent and be spared. Do we feel that? Yeah, but that was thousands of years ago. Our God is so weak, he can't work through me to reach this city of millions. He can't, through me, reach the people at my work or school or... Um, that I associate with because they're so steeped in their lies that I can't 
show my true colors and tell them the truth that they need to repent and turn from their wicked ways to be saved. I thought it was very um, true what Mike Nedeljkovic was saying that, you know, we are hurtling towards a, a one world government. These unprecedented times are showing us, you know, biblical, uh, biblically predicted events coming to pass at, at a pace we wouldn't have imagined three years ago. And yet, we seem rather complacent about it. We know Satan, when he was cast down, in Revelations 12, he said he knew he had a very short time. And so he was very conscious of that deadline and was all the more urgent in, in going after God's people. Should not we, the people of God, whom have been given a great commission like Jonah has, to save people, feel that same consciousness that we've only got short days and years left to reach more than 120,000 souls that are going to perish when God's judgment. <clears throat> Do we need revival? Perhaps we don't want to see people burn, but we may be apathetic to what happens to them versus our comfort. And we may also be avoiding the directive that God has given us. It's when that comfort triumphs, you know, our desire for worship, when we feel bored and empty and joyless in our Christian life, and that, uh, you know, as some would say, you know, church suppers are better attended than, you know, prayer meetings that where we, we you know, that there, there's greater um, openness to, you know, we want to be entertained rather than be really challenged by the word. We're not really, we've lost that fire and that first love that once it gave us um, a willingness to sacrifice anything to serve him, and now we are not willing to be inconvenienced. Do we need revival? I know I do. As the hymn says, Lord, you know, grant us revival and let it begin with me. Well, may we each sense the love of our God, who has been gracious, who's allowed his word to come to us a second time. And I know for me, it was more than a second time. I know that he had to be patient with me. He had to pursue me. My pride took a long time to be able to, to, to bend its stiff neck and to submit to the Lord. And if God has been gracious with me, then I need to, um, I need to, also be gracious to my fellow men. Another sign of, 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 of need for revival is if we allow the love to cool between us. If we allow divisions to remain within us, that, that we allow Satan to divide us over, over things and we let the sun go down on our wrath. The love of God should make us more alive to him, 
to each other and to, as we read here, the needs of a lost world. I look forward to the coming week. That we can spend time free from our distractions and hopefully meditate more on God's word and challenge one another. And I pray that it would not just be a spark that soon goes out, but Lord, that the Lord would be gracious to us, that we would indeed catch fire. And though that fire consume the dross and the things in our life that are blocking, that are the dry wood, that are preventing his life-giving sap to bring fruit in our lives, that we would welcome that cleansing fire, that purging. Our health and life depends on it as does a lost and hurting world around us. May each one of us say, Lord, bring a revival and let it begin in me. As we, uh, Jesus himself, compared himself with Jonah. We see the heart of God compared to the heart of Jonah. Where God has said, even in the Old Testament, that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn, as we heard this morning, and live. And uh, multiple times in the New Testament, we read that that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, the, uh, to repentance. And it's in Timothy where that all, he desires that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And of course, we're all familiar with John 3.16, that God so loved the world that, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have eternal life. As we contrast Jonah with Jesus, Jonah was sleeping in a boat in disobedience. Jesus was sleeping in the boat in obedience. Jonah was a sinner who ran away from God. Jesus is God who runs toward the sinner. Jonah was thrown overboard in, as a sacrifice for his own sin, but Jesus was a sacrifice for our sin. Jonah was resurrected from the depths after three days in the belly of the fish, but Jesus was resurrected three days in the bowels of the earth. Both preached the need for revival in the light of God's coming judgment. Jonah brought a message of condemnation. There was no, no hope there, no condition. Jesus brought a message of salvation as we heard that God's loved the world 
Jonah waited for his enemies to be punished while Jesus was punished for his enemies. Jonah needed a savior, but Jesus is the savior. The true Israel, Jesus doesn't look down on sinners like Jonah did. He runs to the sinners and pursues them. May each of us choose to have the heart of Jesus rather than Jonah. With that, we conclude this morning, this afternoon's service.